series, and uh, I, this has been so much fun. I love Christmas movies. Last week, we got to talk about Home Alone and how we are never alone because it said that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. And uh, this week, we are doing another movie, and we posted a clue to Facebook on Thursday. And if you don't follow uh, Aberdeen First Assembly on Facebook, what are you doing, right? Come on, follow us already. Jump on there. Uh, Aberdeen First Assembly of God, it's on Facebook there. And uh, follow us. Every Thursday, we're going to be posting a clue because we're going to give away a prize uh, each and every week to someone who guesses it correctly. And uh, you can look at the screen. Here's the clue we posted this week. You had to guess what Christmas movie is that little piece of background from? And many of you guessed it. You tried to guess it. I should say that. All right, so let's zoom out a little bit, see if you can guess it now. Any guesses? Polar Express. All right, zoom out one more time just to, to make sure we've got that. Oh, yeah. So today, what better gift can we give than the number one refreshment on the Polar Express? Hot chocolate, right? We've got that. We've got hot chocolate. Uh, so today, we're going to give it because only out of everybody who guessed, only one person got it right. Only one. All right, so Tim Hostetter is our winner today. He's, he's not with us this morning, so we'll, we'll, we'll make him pick it up. But he gets this lovely gift of, of hot chocolate today. Uh, thank you for all who participated, and better luck next week. All right? Better luck next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. As we post those, so look for those to drop each Thursday uh, on our Aberdeen First Assembly uh, page, and it's going to be a great time. So today, we are looking at the Polar Express. Now, if you have never seen the movie The Polar Express, it's about a little boy uh, who's just starting to wonder, maybe some doubts creeping in on is Santa Claus real or not. Check out this clip. Many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound I was afraid I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. Upstairs and then to bed. But, 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 but I have to. But he said Santa would have to fly faster than the speed of light to get to everyone's house in one night. So? And to hold everyone's presents, his sled would have to be bigger than an ocean liner. Well, your brother said that? Well, he was just kidding you. He knows there's a Santa. He said he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure Santa was for real. Of course Santa's for real. He's as real as Christmas itself. But he won't come until you're sound asleep, young lady. <laughs> Sweet dreams. 
Santa will be here before you know it. So go to sleep. We've all hit that stage at some point, right? Where you, you weren't sure if Santa was real anymore. Maybe you were three or four years old. Maybe some of you was just last year. And, uh, you know, you're still trying to figure out, is, is the big guy real? Where do all these presents come from? Is it is a guy in a big red suit or is it just mom and dad in the middle of the night uh, putting Christmas presents out there? And so today, uh, this boy, he goes on this, this journey to figure out, does he believe? Or will his doubts reign supreme? And, and in our lives, we go on a similar journey. We all go on a similar journey, not in belief in Santa Claus, but belief in the existence of God. Do we doubt or do we believe? See, maybe you've had doubts in your walk with Jesus on your, your journey through this life of does God exist? Does he exist? Because we can't see him. We, we can't see God. We, we don't know what he looks like. You know, Jesus walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, but we don't get to see what Jesus looks like. Uh, maybe you doubt a little bit because it's been a long time since you've, you've felt him or experienced his, his presence. You know, you can sit here and doubt about a lot of things. Maybe you doubt that God has a plan for you. Everybody's told you, you know, the preacher gets up there every Sunday and tells you, he's got a plan for your life, God's got a purpose for your life, but you're still waiting to hear what it is. You know, what, what is that plan? So you doubt that God has a plan for your life. Uh, maybe you doubt that God cares for you because he hasn't answered your prayers. You prayed over and over and over again. It just feels like God isn't listening or that God doesn't hear, so you begin to doubt. Maybe you doubt that God can heal you. you you've dealt with this disease or this sickness or you prayed for somebody for a long time and it feels like, when is this going to happen? When are we going to break through? When am I going to finally get healing? And so you're starting to doubt that God can heal you. Maybe you started to doubt that, that God can save a family member that you've been praying for for a long time. Or maybe you're doubting his presence because, again, you, you felt him before, but maybe you haven't felt him in a long time. And you start to rationalize, well, I, I feel the same way whenever I'm around a crowd of people or whenever there's loud music or just the perfect moment. Maybe God's presence isn't real and, and these doubts creep into our minds. Does God exist? Is he real? Is he with us? Is he exist if we can't see him? So this morning, I want you to turn, uh, grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. Because we're going to look at a guy who went through uh, a very similar journey 
uh, that we're talking about here are, are doubt versus belief. The, a similar journey to uh, the boy in the Polar Express is his doubt versus his belief and the journey that he went on. So in John chapter 3, we are introduced to a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus. So in John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus, thank you for your word today. God, we pray that you would speak to us, God, through the story of Nicodemus and the words that you shared with him. In Jesus' name, amen. So it starts out by saying, there was a guy named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, all right? So if you're not familiar, a Pharisee uh, were some of the religious leaders of the day, back in Jesus' day, and they believed in the rules. They followed the rule book. The, their rule book was the first five books uh, of our Bible today. They called it the Torah. So in those rule books was the law that God had given to Moses. So they believed, they saw this law, they, they knew the traditions that had been passed down from generation to generation, and they thought, if we follow this book, if we follow everything, all the laws that God gave to Moses, then uh, if we did what the Torah would taught, this would punch our ticket to heaven, right? This, is, this was our ticket in, just follow all the rules to a T, and if we did that, we'll get into heaven. They even made their own rule book that was more strict than the Torah, than the law. So that way, even if they disobeyed their own rule book, at least they wouldn't disobey the one that counted, right? They, they went strict on this. They were strong in their beliefs, and in fact, they would look down on other people who didn't believe as strongly as they did, who didn't follow the rules as well as they did. They believed in what they could see. They, they saw the scrolls. They saw the scriptures. They believed in what was in front of them, and they said, we are going to do this, and, and we are going to believe in what's been passed down from generation to generation. Right? But then along came a guy named Jesus, and he just seemed to flip everything upside down. See, he was a rabbi. He was a teacher, but he didn't go to school uh, like the other Pharisees and rabbis had, but yet his teaching was so deep and so meaningful, and it seemed completely different than everybody else's teaching. See, Jesus would teach things uh, along the lines of, he, he would say this in Matthew, he, he preached, you've heard that it was said that to people long ago, you shall not murder anyone. And if anyone who murders, you will be subject to judgment. That's what's been taught in the law. But I tell you today that anyone who is angry with brother or sister is subject to judgment. So while the Pharisees were very concerned uh, about their external compliance, about just doing what the law said, Jesus was concerned about the heart. He was concerned about motives. He's saying, hey, don't just not kill somebody. Anybody can just not kill somebody. But we're saying don't be angry with people. Love people. Care about people. See, Jesus would also supernaturally heal people. He'd go around and, and he'd pray for the sick and, and he'd heal uh, the demon-possessed and all those different things. And his power was undeniable. And you can imagine somebody who went around doing that, that large crowds of people would start following Jesus because they wanted to see what he'd do next. They wanted to get healed themselves. And so because of this, he was maybe stealing some of the attention from the Pharisees and they didn't like that too much. So the Pharisees, they would get jealous and they would try to trap Jesus. They would try to find fault in Jesus. 
So when he was going around healing people, occasionally he would do it on a Sabbath day, the day where they're supposed to rest. And so the Pharisees would, would get after him and say, hey, you can't do that. They'd try to trap him. They'd try to tell him, you can't be healing people on a Sunday or, or on a Saturday at that time. You can't be healing people on, on a Sabbath. And so they were constantly at war with Jesus. But then came along Nicodemus, this Pharisee. And it said that he, he came to Jesus at night. Now, why would he do this? Why would Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? See, in the light, in the, the daytime, the Pharisees, again, they had it out for Jesus. They didn't like him. They were opposed to Jesus in everything that he did. Because the Pharisees were the ones, they eventually would arrest Jesus and, and put him on trial. But something is different about Nicodemus, kind of like the, the hero boy in the Polar Express. There's something going on there. There's something that he's really wrestling with inside. See, he looks at Jesus, and he looks at scriptures, and he looks at prophecies, and he's kind of lining them up. Like, man, they kind of look similar. It's nothing like what we thought, but, but everything seems to line up. Everything seems to match. I know that, that my, my crew, my, my fellow Pharisees are opposed to this guy, but there's something that I just can't shake. He, he really seems like this could be the Messiah, so I have to investigate myself. So it says that he came at night. He, he came at night in the guise uh, of darkness and began to speak to Jesus. He came with his evidence, right? Just like the boy did uh, in the movie there. He gathered all that evidence. You know, he found out, look at all these newspaper clippings of Santa's not real. He looked in the World Book Encyclopedia and found out oh, the North Pole has no life in it. Uh, you know, Santa hasn't eaten the cookies yet. All these different things. He's putting the evidence together to build his case. And in the same way... Uh, he is building his, his evidence uh, to, to come to Jesus and say, hey, look what I found. Look what I found. I've, I've found this. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. We know this. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. So he's matching those things up. We see you're doing miracles. We're seeing that nobody else can do what you do, Jesus. There's got to be something different about you. Please tell me more. So I want you to check out Jesus' response in, in verse 3. He says this, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And in this one sentence, I think Jesus completely flips Nicodemus' worldview upside down again. Because again, he's a Pharisee. He's always seen and then believed. He's seen the scrolls and he's believed in them. He's seen the scriptures and then believed in him. He, he's probably journeyed, uh, you know, he's seen Jerusalem. He's seen the temple. He's, he's seen, he's probably gone to Jericho or to the Jordan River and believed in the stories that happened in those places that we see in the Old Testament. But now Jesus, he's looking at him and he says, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, the first thing you need to do is believe. You have to believe before you can see. See, to get into heaven, we have to believe before we see. It's upside down. It's backwards from what we like to do. Ever use that phrase, I'll believe it when I see it? Right? I'll believe it when I see it, or that's too good to be true. You know, I, I've got to have my hands on it. I, I say that every time I see an infomercial on TV. Right? I'll believe it when I see it. They make those things sound like they are miracles. You know, this, take this pill and... Uh, you know, you'll, you'll lose weight. Yeah, 
I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the solution that we've mixed together is going to, you put that on your face every night and it's going to cure your acne and you're going to have just perfect skin, right? Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. You just put this belt around your, your fat belly and it's going to shake all the fat out, right? Okay, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Or this device will stop all of your problems. They, there's always something. There's always some catch. There's always something. I'll believe it when I see it. We like to be skeptical people. But the problem is with heaven is we don't get to try it out first. We don't get to try it out first. We don't get to see heaven until we believe in it. We have to believe first and then we can see it. We see this pattern all the time. You know, Noah, he had to believe that a flood was coming uh, first. He built a boat before he actually got to see what God promised him. Uh, Abraham Believed, that God, believed in God before he saw the promised land. Moses believed God before the Red Sea was parted. Uh, Peter believed in God before he stepped out of the boat and walked on water. We have to believe in Jesus before we get to see the kingdom of God at work. So if you want to get into heaven, the formula is believe first, and then you see it. We don't like that because we, we like to try things out. We like our 30-day return policies, right? But no, the Bible says we've got to believe first, and then we'll see it. So this statement, it seemed, it seemed radical to Nicodemus. It's, it, it was world-changing. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again was the phrase that he used. Now, if you've grown up in church, you'd probably think, yeah, born again, I get that. You know, we use that all the time in church. You know, that sounds like something Jesus would say. Uh, if you're new to church, or this is the first time you're new to Christianity, and you hear this verse, you must be born again, you're probably thinking, what is wrong with these people? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Right? And you are in the same camp that Nicodemus was in that night. He did not get it. He did not understand what does this term to be born again really mean. So in verse 4, uh, Nicodemus says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. See, Nicodemus was, was skeptical. And now he was not just skeptical, but he was confused. He didn't understand what it meant to be born again. He's sitting there thinking, okay, I've grown a little bit since the last time I was born, so I don't think I'm going to fit again. Uh, this isn't going to work, Jesus. You don't understand uh, what this is. So he's talking about being born again. So what does that mean? What, what's Jesus talking about here? Well, you know when you're born, uh, the process of being born, you're taking those nine months to prepare yourself for a new environment. Taking nine months to prepare yourself for a new environment that's got new conditions, you've never lived in it before. So a baby develops a skeletal system uh, in those nine months. They develop a muscular system so those bones uh, can move and, and operate in this new world that they're going into. They develop a nervous system so they can feel and, and feel all the environment around them. Uh, they develop a digestive system so they can, they can grow and, and uh, adapt to this new environment. They can grow in this new world. They develop a respiratory system so that they can breathe oxygen. So uh, the very first time that they, they come come out into this new world, they can take that first breath, and they're ready to live in this new environment. So to be born again means to go into a new world and to adapt, to be ready to adapt to its new conditions. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is totally different conditions, totally different living conditions than the kingdom of man. And there's no way that you could survive in the kingdom of heaven for a moment 
for a moment if you are in the same state that you are in now. Right? To be born the first time, that, that's good. But you've got to be born again. You've got to be prepared. Because right now, you've got sin attached to you. And if you've got sin attached to you, you can't come into the kingdom of heaven. You'd have a 0% survival rate in the kingdom of heaven if you've got sin attached to your life. So you've got to be born again. You've got to get prepared for this new conditions that you're in. Being born takes time. Being born uh, takes a little bit of, little bit of work. So in John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh, give birth, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the two births that Jesus is talking about is birth by the flesh and birth by the spirit. So you need to be physically born, but you also need to be spiritually born. He's saying that you need both. And to be spiritually born, you have to believe in what you cannot see. That's how we're spiritually born. We're believing in what we cannot see. And he gives this illustration of the wind. Right, you can... Uh, you can feel the wind. You can, uh, the wind blows wherever it goes. You can't tell where it comes from, where it's going, but we believe in it because we can see the side effects of it. See, just because you don't see something, just because uh, you can't see where it comes from or what its origin is, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And so he uses the wind here to tell that, right? We believe that the wind exists even though we can't figure out where it started blowing from. We believe the wind exists because we can feel it. Right? We can feel it blow on us. We can see its, its side effects. Uh, as you see the trees blowing back and forth or on garbage days, you watch your trash can roll down somewhere blocks away. Like I am, I'm down five trash cans since I've moved to Aberdeen. They just blow away every single time because we've got so much wind around here. But you know, we've got wind just coming through and we can feel the effects of it. We can see it and we know the wind is real even though we can't see it. And in the same way, for centuries, uh, people have been looking for God. We can't see God. People have been trying to figure out the origin of God. Where, where did he come from? And we can't comprehend how God has no beginning, how he has no ending. That he simply is. He says, who are you? He says, I am. I am. Because he is. And he always has been. He always will be. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And just because we can't see him, just because we can't figure out the origin of him doesn't mean we shouldn't believe in him. See, we can look at the evidence. We can gather the evidence of God. You know, I've never seen God personally, but I've heard his gentle whisper. And so I know that God exists. I, I've never seen God personally, but I've felt his presence so strongly at this altar. So I know that God exists. I've heard so many stories of many of you in this room, you've said, I've never seen God, but I've been in a situation where I should have died. I mean, I, I should have crashed, I should have ran into that car, and I don't know what happened, but somehow I came out without a scratch, and the only, the only answer that I have is it had to be in God. It had to have been God. right? I, I believe in God. I've never seen God, but I believe in him because I've, I've seen him answer prayers. And the only answer is it had to be God. To get into heaven, we have to believe before we 
see. In verse 9, after Jesus explains all of this to him, I like what Nicodemus says here. I can relate to this. How can this be? Nicodemus asks. He again asks, I don't get it. Like, Jesus, you're, you're telling me all this stuff. This is great. All right, spiritual rebirth. We got all of this. But I still don't understand. See, Nicodemus, he could have given up. It could have been a hard teaching. He could have said, all right, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to go live with the Pharisees and everything's going to be good. I'm going to go back to believing in what I can see rather than uh, believe first and then see later. He could have given up, but he didn't. He kept pressing in. He says, how can, how can this be? Jesus, tell me more. I need to know more. He could have given up, but he kept going. He kept going on this journey with Jesus. See, in the middle of the night, uh, this boy from the Polar Express, he experiences a very similar thing. He gets an opportunity to go on an amazing journey. Why don't you check out this clip? You coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express. The North Pole? I hold this, please. Thank you. Is this you? Yeah. Well, it says here, no photo with the department store Santa this year. No letter to Santa. And you made your sister put up in this thing. Look here. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like this is your crucial year. If I were you, I would think about climbing on board. 
Come on, come on, come on. I've got a schedule to keep. Oh. Suit yourself. All right. Well, I just want to let you know that if I had a magical train to the North Pole, the last people that I would invite on there are the skeptics, right? I would go after all those people who were being heckled at school for believing in Santa Claus. Like, I'd, I'd pick Santa's greatest supporters, say, come on, come on up. We're going to show you, we're going to treat you real special and show you that this is all real and that you're right. But instead, this train goes and picks up skeptics, and says, hey, come on, we're going to take you on a journey. And in the same way, in the middle of the night, Nicodemus goes to Jesus. And, and Jesus, he, he could have said, Pharisee, you're a Pharisee, Nicodemus. Why are you over here? Get back to where you came from. Go, go back to that little hole that you came out of. Right? They, they didn't get along too well because the, the Pharisees were opposed to him. But instead, Jesus took time one-on-one -on -one with an unbeliever with a skeptic, with somebody who didn't have it all figured out. And he said, yeah, come, I'll take time with you. You know, I, I preached to the crowds all day today, but, but I'm going to take time for you, Nicodemus, because this is important. This is important. We see, this, we see Jesus do this oftentimes. In, in John chapter 1, just a couple chapters earlier, with a guy named Nathaniel. We later find out his, his name is also Bartholomew. And uh, when he first hears about Jesus that Jesus could be the Messiah, that this could be the one, he starts off by saying, yeah, I, I doubt that. that that's not going to work. Uh, messiahs can't come from, from Nazareth. This, this doesn't work. What, what good comes out of Nazareth? He didn't even believe in him. But yet Jesus came to Nathaniel and he says, hey, come follow me. Let's go on a journey together. Let's go on a journey together. See, here's a key this morning. Don't let your skepticism keep you from the journey. Don't let your skepticism keep you from the journey. See, Nicodemus, he could have gone home. He could have given up that night when he heard this hard teaching from Jesus. But instead, he continued to go in his belief journey. He continued to ask questions. See, you may have shown up today with questions. You may have shown up today with doubts. Is God real? Does he care? Why do I need God anyways? Or you might have shown up today and you believe that that he's your savior, but you're not sure if you believe that he's your healer. You, you believe that he's your savior, but you're not sure if you believe that he's your provider. You believe that he's your savior, but you're not sure if you believe that he is your deliverer. Or maybe you just believe enough so that you think, if I can just get into heaven and just believe in Jesus, I don't need to believe him for anything else. See, if you come today with, with doubts, and you're just not sure, is this the real thing? If, if you, you're not even sure if you're invited, I want you to know for sure today that even in spite of your doubts, that Jesus is here today and he's saying, all aboard. 
He's saying, all aboard. Jump on the journey with me. You may not have it all figured out. You may have your doubts, but all aboard. Come on in. Come join the journey. Come join the journey. You know, for me, I was a, was a junior in high school, and we were watching this series in church about great men of faith, and, and it highlighted some really cool individuals like uh, Smith Wigglesworth and Diedrich Bonhoeffer and D.L. Moody and C.S. Lewis and, and a lot of these just great heroes in the faith. And there was a, a host, a well-known pastor who was a host of this video series. So each week we'd go in and, and watch this and he'd share about you know, how to keep integrity, how to be a, a, a man of God. And we got to the end of the series and so I thought, oh, this is, this is pretty neat. This is pretty cool. I'm going to go look this guy up a little bit more. And I found out that at some point after he made this, that he decided he didn't believe in Jesus anymore. The hosts of the show, the, the guy who was supposed to have it all figured out. And that he had walked away from his church, he had walked away from his faith. I got to be honest, that shook me a little bit uh, as a high school student to, to see this was the guy who was teaching me and he couldn't even believe long enough. So is it real? Is it true? And it was in that moment that I had a choice to make. Do I continue on this journey or do I jump off the train? Do I jump off the ship? See, your beliefs, they're going to be challenged. People are going to try to convince you that God doesn't exist. They're going to try to show you evidence that, that God isn't real. Or maybe they're going to mock you for your beliefs and try to belittle you for, for what you're believing in. That it's just some sort of fairy tale. That you're just following God to make you feel better about yourself. But let me tell you this. Doubts are okay. If you've got doubts today, that, that's okay. Doubts are uh, what caused Nicodemus to dig a little deeper. God, God can handle your doubts. God can handle your questions, your, your skepticism. I, I've, anybody who's gone and investigated their faith, right, and really looked into it, they haven't left that journey worse off, but they've left it better. They've left it more confident because we know that God is real. I, I'm not going to tell you here today, don't investigate your faith. You know, just, just believe because I told you. No, dig in. Dig deeper. Read deeper into God's word. Look. Because God's got more for you. I was, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago of, of a scientist. And uh, he was out there to prove that there was no God. That was his goal. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to take and, and mimic what, what God did. He was trying to create life out of no life. He was trying to take all the different elements. They studied the cell. They were looking at all the different proteins and the amino acids that went into. And they thought if we can just put all the right ingredients into the right box create the right conditions that we could create life out of no life. And they tried and they failed. And they tried and they failed. And they kept failing and failing. And the more research that came out, the more they looked in it. They looked at that simple cell and they realized how much programming goes into that thing. How much DNA is in there down to the atomic level. Just how much goes into life. And the more they studied, the more they realized we can't recreate this. We can't recreate this. There must be a creator. So even in their pursuit to disprove God, they realized and they gave more evidence that God really must exist. God really must be someone who created this. So even in science, it's pointing to there is a creator. See, again, I know for me, I know that God is real. I, I know that he is real because I, his word is real. I, I've read God's word and, and every time I apply it to my life, it changes me. 
right? It, it changes me. Things work out the way that I see them in the Bible. They, they happen in real life. His words never failed me. He's always come through. He always answers my prayers, not because I'm special, but because we, we pray them when we believed in him. Now, I'll give you this. He never answers them the way that I think that he should answer them. He always seems to do it a little bit differently, but God, he hears us. I've seen God take somebody who's hopeless and turn their world around. I've seen miracles. I've seen God heal, and I know that he exists. So are you willing, in spite of your doubts, to jump on that journey with Jesus? Are you willing to get on that train? See, Jesus doesn't use that, that two-word invitation all aboard, but he uses the other two-word invitation. He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me, and he gives you that same invitation today. You've got doubts, you're skeptical, that's okay. Follow me. Just follow me. Jump on this journey, and, and we'll see where it takes us. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be all cleaned up. I mean, the boy on that train, he was still in his jammies, and they still let him on the train, right? We don't have to be cleaned up to come to Jesus. We just need to be willing to follow him. We just need to be willing to hop on that train, to follow that call, to follow me. Uh, I think of the disciples. You know, Jesus called Peter, and, and Peter dropped everything he had, and he followed him. But it wasn't until months, years later, where, where Peter finally declared, I believe that you are the Son of God. But he was willing to go on the journey. And along the journey, he realized that everything that Jesus said was true. Everything he says is true. So are you willing to go on the journey today? Are you willing to hop on that train? Are you willing to follow Jesus in spite of your doubts? Now, the boy, he hops on the train. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. And, and it goes through a series of crazy events. I mean, they get served hot chocolate, which is great. They pick up some other kids along the way. Uh, the train, at one point, veers off the tracks and it's sliding around. Another point, it gets stopped by a herd of caribou. At one point, the boy's walking along the top of the train looking for a lost ticket. I mean, everything's going crazy until finally they reach the North Pole and they see some more evidence. They, they see all the elves, they see all the toys, they see all the presents, but he still never sees the big man. He never sees Santa. He's still not sure, does Santa exist? And then this moment comes. Santa Claus. 
See, in the end, he, he ends up believing, not because he saw, but because he went on the journey, because he decided to go on the journey, even despite his doubts. See, Nicodemus started a journey that, that night when he went to have a conversation with Jesus. And it's later on in this passage that we see Jesus say the Maybe the, the most famous words that Jesus ever said to anybody, and he said them to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16. He says this, For God so loved the world. Again, he's talking to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, to Nicodemus, to this doubter, to this skeptical guy, Jesus gives him the greatest truth, the greatest words that the world has ever heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He didn't tell this to someone who is his biggest fan, but he told it to a doubter. Four times, four times in that passage, Jesus uses the word believe. Believe. Believe, and then you will have eternal life. Believe in the Son, and then you are not condemned. But when we choose to not believe, that's when we perish. When we choose to not believe, that's when we stand condemned already. So my question to you today is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he's your healer? Do you believe that he's your provider? Do you believe that he is your deliverer? The little boy in that clip, he had to believe first. And once he believed, that's when he got to see that it was, that it was all real. 
for us. We have to believe first before we can participate, before we can see the kingdom of heaven. So do you believe this morning? Much like the Polar Express, it's a, it's a free ticket. It doesn't cost you anything. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. Because Jesus, he went to the cross, lived a perfect life, and he died for us. Because he knew that we didn't have uh, what it took to pay the price for our sins. Because the price of our sins is death. So if we wanted to have eternal life, he had to pay the price for us. So he paid the price when he died on that cross. And he rose again and he overcame so that we could have a way. So that we could get into heaven. We just got to believe. The Bible never officially says what, what happens with Nicodemus. It gives us a few more hints into his life. I, I believe that he became a believer. We find out later he was still among the number of the Pharisees. Uh, but when they tried to trap Jesus, Nicodemus stood up for Jesus. He said, hey, guys, don't worry about him. If he's the real deal, it's going to work out. If he's not the real deal, he'll, he'll, he'll get out of the way. He stood up for Jesus and protected him. And then later when Jesus died on that cross, it was uh, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and then Nicodemus who came and, and took his body and prepared it for the tomb. It said Nicodemus brought 75 pounds worth of fragrances and aloes to prepare Jesus' body and to take care of him. So while it never says, did Nicodemus believe? Well, he's doing a lot different things than the rest of the Pharisees did. He continued to follow after Jesus because he was willing to go on that journey. So this morning, are you willing to go on the journey? Are you willing to follow that call, that all aboard call, that follow me call? Are you willing to follow Jesus? Would you stand with me? Today, we're gonna, we're just gonna close with this song and when we're finished singing, feel, feel free to, to leave. I encourage you, during this time, feel free to also come down to the altar to find a place to get alone with God. Spend as much time here as, as you'd like. If you're wrestling with some doubts today, maybe you believe that he's your savior, but, but you don't believe in other areas. Today's a day where you can just tell God, I believe. I believe. I don't get it, but God, I want to go on this journey. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your savior today. You can tell him for the first time, God, I believe. I believe that you're real. I believe that you exist. I believe that you died and that you rose again, and I want to make you my Savior. And if that's you today, I'd love to pray with you. You can come meet me. I'm going to be down at the altar right over here. I'd love to pray with you. Believe God for more. So Jesus, we come to you now. We give you our doubts. We give you our fears. God, we, we come to you with the evidence that we have. And God, I pray that you would make yourself real to us today as we step up, as we follow you on this journey to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together.
God, help us as we go on this journey with you. God, as we choose to believe, show us your kingdom. Show us what you're like. Show us who you are. And help us to be more like you. God, I pray you bless your people today. God, as we journey out, God, may we choose to believe, not just today, but tomorrow as well, and the next day, and the next day, that we would trust in you. So 
God, I thank you. I pray you bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an incredible week, church. I encourage you, these altars are open. I take as much time as you need. Thank you.